podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Just over six weeks until Scotland play Czech Republic at Euro 2020. It's the next instalment of the On The Plane series on the Hamden Road podcast with me, Andy Barge, Gordon Shia from the Tartan Scarf and a substitute in for the evening, Andrew McLean from Radio Clyde. He's in in place of Ben Ramage, who's down visiting family. Andrew, welcome to your debut. Oh, cheers. I'm glad that uh, Ben's pulled up in Jordan and has given me a place in the squad for tonight. But I'll tell you what, see when I got the text and you'd said, oh, what's your availability for tonight? I was like, you know what, pubs are open, beer garden. I thought it was going to be a wee, wee invite out to the beer garden, but that's all right. This is this is a good substitute. I'll take that. I actually did cross my mind for a split second when I saw that the, the weather was to stay mostly dry, that we could meet up in a beer garden and do this. We'll get on with the On The Plane series, Andrew. I've briefed you on how it works. Gordon, you know, I know. So for anyone that maybe hasn't listened or kept up with the series, what we've been doing is splitting up the runners and riders for the European Championship squad into four categories. On the plane, the certainties to be there. Departure lounge, the ones who are on the cusp or probably will be involved. By the phone, those who are waiting for injuries before they can get their chance. And then those who are booking a holiday who realistically have, have no shout of making it into the squad. Now, we'll go through chronologically from back to front, as we always do. Does anyone like me have just two keepers on the plane, or has anyone put all three there? I'd be shocked if we didn't all have the same two keepers on the plane. Gordon? Yep, yep, totally agree. Yep, David Marshall, Craig Gordon. Um, there's no debate there at all, even though, of course, Craig Gordon will be fairly out of match practice by the time the tournament comes around with the championship season wrapping up very, very soon. But yeah, no debate. Although yeah. the fact David Marshall could be out of match practice as well if he doesn't get back in the Derby team as well. So <laughs> you never know. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think David Marshall and Craig Gordon are certainties, really. I mean, David Marshall can't not go given just his hero status that he's got and the fact that he was the goalkeeper that got us there. But I don't know. I, I get the feeling there's a lot of people that would rather have Craig Gordon actually between the sticks when it comes to the group stages. There is that debate. Because Gordon has been good. I haven't watched too many Hearts games this season, but I, I trust Gordon. I, I trust Marshall as well. But if there was to be a change of goalkeeper, I don't think there will be, and I don't think there should be, because I think Marshall's earned the right to keep the jersey. But if there was a change, no qualms with me. Gordon? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I mean, I know it's, it's obviously a very small sample size, but you look at the World Cup qualifiers in March and the fact that David Marshall started the first two and will probably be disappointed with probably all the goals he conceded in those games. And then Craig Gordon comes in, keeps a clean sheet, albeit against the Faroe Islands, but did make some fairly decent saves in that game as well. Although, of course, one quite major fumble of the ball at the start of the second half when he could have conceded. Um, it's it's a tough one, but do you know what? It's probably a good thing that we've got two very, very good goalkeepers who have got a lot of credibility in the bank when it comes to playing for their country. Um, when it comes to that third slot, though, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I do have this feeling in my head that John McLaughlin will probably get that position, just given that he's been in pretty much all of Steve Clark's squads. Personally, 
if he's not going to play in the tournament, I genuinely, I don't know why you'd take a goalkeeper like John McLaughlin, given his age profile, given the fact he's not playing much for Rangers. Surely that third slot should be going to who Steve Clark sees as being his goalkeeper in the future. Yeah, I, I think along the same lines, really, because, I mean, I, I suppose I've got him kind of departure lounge at the moment because he's just been in those squads. He's been a fixture of those squads. But the fact he's not been playing regularly, and you say, you look at his age as well, if there's someone like, for example, Liam Kelly, who's 25 years old, playing regularly, could potentially have 10 years of international football ahead of him, given someone like him tournament experience over John McLaughlin, if neither of them are likely to play, then it probably makes more sense to bring Kelly than McLaughlin. Yeah, but I've got both of them off the plane. McLaughlin's in the departure lounge purely because he has been in the squads recently. Liam Kelly's by the phone. I think if there is an injury to any of them, fingers crossed there isn't, but I think Kelly will be the one that then steps in. What are we saying about Xander Clark? I know there's been a lot of talk after the the, the Rangers stuff. I, I'm not having it personally because... Oh, I, unless I think, you're not listing just, him as a goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's just, front. it's just recency bias, I think, yeah. is, is a lot to do with that because, you know, you actually look at him across the whole season. He's not had, he's not had the most outstanding season, I wouldn't say. And he was highly rated when he was coming through at St. Johnston and there was a lot of talk about him. But if he, if he was the goalkeeper that that some people maybe think he is or or could be, I don't think he would still be at St. Johnston. And as much as he had those heroics the other day and his name's, you know, in the headlines, I saw Callum Davidson was saying that he should get a place in the, the squad or should be considered for it. But I'm, I'm not having that. I've seen Xander Clark make too many mistakes to put my trust in him, especially if this was to be his first call-up to the Scotland squad. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, and also, you know, I was, I was thinking earlier, you know, Ideally, for goalkeepers, you want guys who have played at high-level competitions, but also hopefully played in Europe as well. And obviously, David Marshall started his career by playing in Europe for Celtic and Craig Gordon's. Um, well, I mean, he's got a lot of international experience, but you know that that just you, you can't beat that experience for coming up to international level and getting into European football. So I think that probably counts against Santa Clark. Got an interesting point about Liam Kelly. I was working at the BBC for a shift last week and one of the pundits were, we were talking about the Scotland goalkeeper situation. One of the pundits said, Liam Kelly's too small. That's why he's not getting a game in the English Championship. He's a good shot stopper, a good goalkeeper. But when you're playing against strikers that are routinely six foot two, three, four, big, strong guys, it matters how commanding you can be in the air. And I wonder if that maybe comes into Steve Clark's thinking and why John McLaughlin gets picked for the third spot over him. I mean, it's an interesting point. I, I suppose that is a, a bit of a fascination with goalkeepers down south, that you do need that that height and that presence. And, you know, I, I suppose you look at the other side of the coin, there's Alan McGregor, who's had a really successful career, been brilliant for Rangers, brilliant for Scotland when he's been called upon. And as goalkeepers go, he's not that tall. But then, could you say, if he was a few inches taller, would he have kicked on down south and been at a bigger club than Hull, potentially? Um, but, you know, we're talking about Scotland keepers here rather than Premier League keepers here. So I don't mm -hmm. think the fact, I mean, I, I think he's still what, six foot two, maybe? Yeah, six Kelly. two. He's, still, yep. he's, he's not a small keeper. And, you know, across, you know, football, there is goalkeepers that, that are sort of just around touching six foot who still do have successful careers. So I'm not, I'm not too sure that that should really come into Steve Clark's thinking anyway. Okay, look, let's move on to the centre halves. I, I don't know about you, Andrew, but Ben 
for whatever reason, persists in having Tierney included as a fullback. If we are seeing into the future here and Scotland lining up with a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 formation against the Czech Republic, Tierney will be a, a centre-half. That's where I've got him on the plane. Same with you. Yeah, this is something that confuses me as well. I see it on Twitter all the time when Scotland squads get announced and there's Kieran Tierney, Andy Robertson and Greg Taylor in them. And so many of the replies are people going, why do we need three left-backs? Why do we need three left-backs in the squad? And surely the obvious answer is that Kieran Tierney is, is not a left-back in the Scotland squad. He's a left centre-back. That position is his position. He's not moving from there. So you then need, obviously, Andy Robertson and a backup to him as well if you're having two for every position. But, I mean... Kieran Tierney is obviously on the plane, obviously going, and obviously for Scotland, uh, a centre-back as well. Good news in today, and, Gordon. Yeah, uh, sorry to cross your teta saying that he's uh, he didn't require surgery and he's back in full training, needing match fitness already. And we, that's come three weeks, maybe four weeks earlier than we first thought. Yeah, I mean, that that is just absolutely fantastic news. I mean, when that news broke about another injury with Kieran Tierney and you're just thinking, God, we've seen this movie so many times, but so yeah, the, the fact that he's been able to get back to training so quickly, I mean, in a funny way, that almost worries me even more because it just means that if he can play more games for Arsenal between now and the Euros, there's more chance he might get hurt in those games for Arsenal. Um, but of course, match practice is great and he'll come in flying, hopefully by the time the Euros come round. Um, I do just hope they wrap him in cotton wool. I think Arteta's quote, exact quote was that he'd been training like a beast as soon as he got injured, which it doesn't surprise you. I mean, I think the that's guy, the only way Kieran Tierney knows how to be fair. Do anything. Exactly. Yeah. You'd imagine he goes shopping like a beast. You know, <laughs> he, he does his laundry like a beast. You know, it's just, it's what he does. That, that's he maybe why done. he has so many injuries if he's just doing household <laughs> tasks as a beast, to be fair. Just smashing the dishes every night. You know, just, yeah. Who, uh, who joins him on the plane for you, Andrew, in the centre half area? Uh, so, Grant Hanley, the first one for me, because I think you look at what Steve Clark has selected in the last international break. I think he just really likes the the experience of Grant Hanley. You know, he's a guy, he's been there, he's done it in that sort of central centre-back position. I think he's kind of got that sewn up, really. And Declan Gallagher obviously showed up really well in that position last year and, you know, helped us get to the tournament. I also had Declan Gallagher on the plane as well. But for me... I think Grant Hanley, Steve Clark probably sees him as his first choice central centre-back at the moment. And Declan Gallagher is another good player to have in that squad. It's interesting as well because you're also looking at it in terms of are you taking six centre-backs? So there's two for every position. And does that include Scott McTominay? Or does he get included in the midfielders? So do you have six plus McTominay? Do you have five plus McTominay? I think that's an interesting one as well. It's, it could open up with these three extra places as well that you know it, it could well be six plus McTominay if it was six plus McTominay I would be having Hanley, Tierney, Gallagher who I think are all guaranteed I think Jack Hendry will go I think when Scott McTominay is not playing in that right-sided centre-half role Steve Clark likes his outside centre-halves to be able to carry the ball forward be comfortable on the ball bring it into midfield if they want, could have like good passing range. I think Jack Hendry has all those attributes. So I think he'll go, and I think the other two would be Cooper and McKenna for me. Gordon, is that a mirror image of what's on your sheet? Um, certainly the names uh, are identical. Um, I have had a bit of a, a, a shifty around, it's just, just, just of where they're positioning. Um, we'll obviously come to this, but 
Andrew's just alluded to it. I have now put McTominay into midfield full-time. I just think that's where he's going to be, especially with Ryan Jack out the squad. I think on the plane for me, in terms of guys that I think are locked in, guaranteed in the squads, I've probably only actually got Tierney and Hanley right now. And then beyond that, I've got the same names. I've got Hendry, Cooper, McKenna, Gallagher. There's a very good chance that all four of them will go, but I'm just not entirely 100% sure, especially given that you know Gallagher's still only coming back from injury. He didn't play. I think he was the only outfield player that didn't play a single minute in the World Cup qualifiers, which you know maybe says something about his peck, place in the pecking order, or maybe that was just his, his fitness. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd fully expect whoever's going, it'll be from among those names. My on-the-plane centre-halves are Tierney, Cooper, Hanley, Gallagher, and McKenna. McKenna was a late call-up to on-the-plane. I've got Jack Hendry in the departure lounge. I do like him, Andrew, and it would not bother me if he went. And I think with the increased squad size, he stands a fairly good opportunity of uh, getting a seat. The one that it doesn't concern me, but the one that I do wonder about if they'll be fit or not, is, is Cooper. He's quite injury-prone, isn't he? And I, I I do wonder that if in the next two or three weeks something's going to pop up or something is going to make a muscle injury or whatever is, is going to make sure that he can't make it, uh, in which case I think that McKenna is the immediate understudy to, to Tierney in that instance. How convinced are you with the sort of options behind that? Because the other ones that I've got listed down, Andy Considine, Paul Hanlon, Ryan Porteous, Paul McGinn, all went in previous squads is, is there any of those that that you'd be happy comfortable with going to the Euros or do you have a bit of concern if you know one of those six drops out and you're having to kind of go into that pool probably to be honest uh, uneasy about any of them being included I, I don't think it's too disrespectful to say that Constantine did fine when he came in we kept a couple of clean sheets in the Nations League and it was really nice to see him get a game and that's how patronising did that sound? But it was, it was just uh, quite rewarding to see someone who's had to wait so long finally get an opportunity. I've got him by the phone at the moment. I've also got Porteous by the phone. I couldn't decide. Uh, I've, I've and also I've got David Bates booking a holiday. Um, I, I couldn't decide between Porteous or Constantine. Just in my head, who would I prefer? Because Constantine has had more experience. But I, I wonder if Porteous, for all the heart and mouth moments that he might provide has the ability to pull out a last-ditch tackle when it's needed. Yeah, I, I think I think from an experienced perspective, certainly it, it would likely be Considine would be the next taxi off the rank, for sure. I think Porteous, he, he'll probably fall into the conversation that we're going to have maybe a bit later on when we're talking about the expanding of the squad from 23 to 26. I think Porteous could be one of the beneficiaries of that because all of a sudden you've got more opportunity to take a guy that you think is less likely to play, but you are more taking him for longer term future in the squad. So he could come. Also, don't forget um, Stuart Finlay as well. Obviously just started his career over in America. So he'll be playing MLS between now and then. Obviously we're not sure if he'll be able to come back. Um, That stopped Johnny Russell in recent times, but another guy to keep in mind. I felt bad when you mentioned David Bates there, because I realised he he's so far off my kind of spreadsheet that I forgot to even list him as booking a holiday. And then it made me laugh because I looked at it and realised I've got Craig McGillivray as booking a holiday for goalkeepers. <laughs> I, not, like, I genuinely would love to know if Craig McGillivray even ever existed. He was just one of these guys that his name was on one of the squads and then kind of disappeared forever. He was in quite a few, to be fair, yeah, under Clark. I, 
about about six or six games, I think he was on the bench. Fail alongside Jordan Archer for me, who just had a, a ghost like month at Motherwell earlier this season and has evaporated again. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, Motherwell and goalkeepers this season before they got Liam Kelly and had a, a pretty torrid time on. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you maybe wonder where they'd be if they didn't have uh, Lee. I mean, all I need to say is two words: Aaron Chapman. <laughs> To be fair, actually, on um, on Jordan Archer, I saw a team a team squad a squad photo from one of our postseason Latin America games under Alex McLeish. I don't know if it was the Peru game or the was it Mexico we played as well. Yeah, uh-huh. Jordan Archer started one of those games, and genuinely, it's like a guess who. Um, he struggled <laughs> to put names to all the faces. Well, uh, let's move on to the fullbacks. I'm pretty sure that we'll all have Andy Robertson on the plane. Um, so let's talk about the right side because that's really where it starts to get interesting for me Stephen O'Donnell is on the plane, he's the only right fullback that I think is guaranteed a spot, now this guy wasn't even in the conversation last time we did this podcast or the time before Gordon because I found my old sheet and Nathan Patterson wasn't even on it and now he's in the departure lounge for me ahead of Palmer by the phone it's yeah, interesting I, because oh, Annie, go, go. No, no, sorry. I, I was just yeah. I would completely agree with that for sure. Um, I think Stephen O'Donnell. I think he's not Mister Forever. He's not Mister Five Years from Now. He is Mister Right Now. And given the journey that he's been on with this national team, I think he hundred percent fully deserves to be starting these games at the Euros because I think he's put in more and more better and better performances for Scotland. A lot of the goals we've scored in recent times have come from either his passing or his pressing, which I think is so important. But I'm starting to be inclined to agree with you. You know, I think Liam Palmer, I've always appreciated what he does, but, you know, you can't ignore Nathan Patterson. And I think especially now that we're adding three extra players, he's only 19 years old, but what an exciting talent he is. You hear Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister raving about him every weekend. I'm coming around to the idea that I don't see any reason to not take Nathan Patterson at this stage. Yeah, Andrew, we, we've been begging a stork to drop a right-footed fullback in the hand and centre circle for the last few years. And we were wondering maybe Aaron Hickey could be the one. You know, he's he's comfortable in his right foot. He's not naturally left-sided, I think, but he's comfortable there. Uh, he's he, had a good he, move he, to Serie A. He weirdly plays in the left, Hickey, but is right-footed, which I've always thought is bizarre. Is he, he so he, he, is, he is right-footed then. I thought he was yeah, uh, left-footed I mean, he's but very comfortable, in comfortable both, with both yeah. feet. But I was, I don't know, just from a like, selfish perspective, when he was coming through and playing left-back, I was just always wanting him to get shunted back over to right-back just from a Scotland perspective and me yeah. thinking we need someone over there. But I wonder I, I wonder like, if we've got an impending uh, headache then on the right side with Solomon know, Patterson exactly. and, and Hickey. Uh, so where, where does Patterson rank, Andrew, for you in the pecking order? It's an interesting one. I mean, I'd, I'd really like to see Nathan Patterson go just because I think he's got a huge Scotland future ahead of him. I think if you can get someone who is going to be in and around squads for at least the next decade, by the looks of things, the, the way he's going at the moment, um, if you can get him in the squad for a major tournament, it's it's a great thing to to just have him around the place. But I think he's actually capable of, of more than just being a guy that you would bring for experience. He, he doesn't really have any obvious weaknesses from what I've seen and look it's a big ask to throw him into a Scotland squad and have him play against the likes of England, Croatia Czech Republic so there's a good chance he's not going to go straight in and 
start those games and play those games, but I would like to see him there. The dilemma, well, I don't think there is much of a dilemma from Steve Clark's perspective because I think, look, Stephen O'Donnell's the, the first choice. As Gordon says, he's been getting better and better in that role. Personal preference, I've always actually preferred Liam Palmer in a Scotland shirt in the right wing back role. I know not everyone will be the same, but I've always just felt a bit more comfortable. And I think Liam Palmer's maybe just a bit more assured in himself than Stephen O'Donnell is in that role. But I think if someone's to drop out for Nathan Patterson, I think it's going to be Liam Palmer. But there's also a bonus to Nathan Patterson that he can also play further forward as well. And if Scotland are looking to, you know, whether Steve Clark switches a formation or he decides to go, you know, to either side of a striker at times, Nathan Patterson can can push up further. I think he had, what, for under-21s, he had three assists in three consecutive games at one point. He was played, you know, as a right winger quite a lot by Scott Gemmell, which isn't his best position, but he can play there as well. So you've got that versatility. So, yeah, I I, I'd like to see him there. And I think if it's much of a much of a muchness between O'Donnell and Palmer, I say you pick one and Nathan Patterson. Do you have Patterson in your departure lounge? Um, I kind of have him waiting by the phone because I don't know how convinced I am that he is going to get a call up by Steve Clark. But now that these extra spots have opened up, I think he is the one that, or one of the ones anyway, that could benefit from it. But I don't know if it was a 23-man squad. I have a feeling it would just be O'Donnell and Palmer, especially because Nathan Patterson's not going to play again this season. You know, he's got that four-game ban. Rangers have, uh, you know, three games left, so he's not going to play any more football. So that could also be another way that you could point and say, well, he's going to be out in match practice, so maybe he's, he's not the guy you want to bring. Gordon, there are a couple of points here. Um, Patterson is obviously a very, very good right-back, but can he be a right-wing-back too? Because Rangers don't play in the same system as Scotland, so O'Donnell is mm-hmm. versed and rehearsed in how to perform that role, whereas Patterson, I'm not sure, will be. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good point. Although you've got to remember, though, that Nathan Patterson is working and training every single day with James Tavernier, who is just the most unbelievable attacking right fullback in Scottish football. So, from a going forward attacking sense, I, I feel like Patterson's probably quite well placed. It's probably that an argument to say that playing as a right back for Rangers isn't far off playing as a a wing back for Motherwell, just based on yeah. the fact that you know your your position on the pitch a lot of the time. You know, your right central midfielder will actually drop in and, you know, cover for you if you are going forward. So I don't think it'll be, you know, as you say, he won't be, you know, completely natural in it. But I think he'll he'll have enough experience of, you know, kind of doing all the things that a wing-back would need to do that I don't think the transition would be too hard for him. Yeah, I, th- I agree with your point, Andrew, that you take one of O'Donnell and Palmer and take Patterson uh, as the backup. I, I think that... Palmer, and I do tend to agree with you as well that at points I have preferred Palmer to O'Donnell at right back um, and he's putting some good performances for us but I'm not sure he did enough when we really had to get our fingernails dirty to warrant keeping hold of the jersey the way that O'Donnell has and did throughout the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair enough. No, look, I, 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 I'm 100% sure that Stephen O'Donnell was going to be there so 
it really is just up to, to Steve Clark whether it's going to be Liam Palmer or, or Nathan Patterson. But look, it's a big decision. I think if he's got one eye on, on the future and looking forward, you'd you'd want to get Nathan Patterson in there. Yeah. Although I, th- I think I think the big, big question that needs to be asked about Nathan Patterson, and we're probably not going to be able to answer it until next season, is just how do Rangers manage the balance between his progression as a very phenomenally exciting young player and the career ambition of their captain. I mean, that's a huge challenge they've got to they've got to face. Best thing for Scotland is that they sell Tavernier or Patterson gets a loan move to Hearts or Aberdeen or Hibs or a team down yeah. south somewhere, Sunderland, whatever. Just just get them first team football for a season. Although, I mean, to be fair, I mean, you think about you think about just how many games Rangers are going to play in a season. You know, the, the amount of European games Rangers have been playing every season and then in, through the Cups and the league as well. I mean, they'll be pushing 50, 60 games a season. So there's 20, 25 games in there for Nathan Patterson, potentially, if they can bring him in. And still for a young player, he's still a teenager. You've got to remember, he's probably not going to be coming in to play every single game next season. But if he was able to play a good number for Rangers, that would be progress for me, I'd say. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if either of those scenarios happened, either Tavernier leaving permanently or Nathan Patterson leaving on loan. I think it's basically just going to have to be a, a juggling act for Rangers and they are going to have to give Nathan Patterson as much game time as they can while keeping James Tavernier happy as, as their number one right back. You working off some intel there, Andrew? Oh, I'm just, uh, just putting my opinion forward. That's all I think. <laughs> Where does... Greg Taylor fit into this jigsaw then? I I think he's pretty much the the only fit player that kind of goes into that slot of a backup left back. There's not really many options. Despite the fact that we talk about, you know, how good our options at left back are, Aaron Hickey's injured. Um, as much as I really like Josh Doig at Hibs, I don't think he's got hope because he's just too young and not experienced enough yet. Um, but some people might turn around and say, well, you know, Nathan Patterson's maybe not had uh, anywhere near that experience as well. But um, I don't know. I, ju- I just think Greg Taylor's been in and about the squads for so long in that kind of backup left-back role that um, I'd be shocked if he wasn't there. And you'd probably expect him to at least play Celtic's next three games, given that, um, you know, Diego Laxalt's not going to be back at Celtic. So if Greg Taylor gets those three games, then he's maybe got a chance to go out and show what you can do as well. Seeing your departure lounge by the phone? Uh, he is departure lounge for me. What about you, Gordon? For me, I've got Greg Taylor by the phone still. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually projected him fully in the squad, simply just because of the the difficulties of having a 23-man squad and sort of the need for some players to fill more than one set of shoes to then allow you to get an extra player in elsewhere. So I've always generally considered Kieran Tierney to be the second left-back, even if he is still starting left-sided centre-back, because if you had to move Kieran Tierney to left-back, you've got backup centre-backs that could come in and replace Tierney. So, yeah, maybe with the squad growing, I, I think I'm in, I'm in agreement with Andrew that I, I can certainly imagine the situation where Greg Taylor is in the squad, but I've still never massively been too keen on that. I think the the increasing squad size really does... Greg Taylor a favour. I would have had him probably by the phone otherwise, but I've got him in the departure lounge now, now that we can take 26 players. I think that that gives a little more wiggle room, even though I don't think that he's 100% necessary for that exact 
reason, Gordon, that if, if Robertson did get injured or suspended, I'm sure Tierney would probably get shoved out there and McKenna Cooper or someone else would, would come yeah. in, yeah. But I do we've think got, we've, that, got, we've got we've got plenty of left footed centre backs. So yeah, Clark trusts Taylor, big fan, and got a good relationship. I, I think that there's a chance he'll go, but not a hundred percent certain on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, into midfield where it starts to get tasty. McTominay is in there for us now, isn't he? He's a central midfielder. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I well, think he's on the plane. He's basically just confirmed that because yeah. I thought you know the the balance of Jack and McGregor looked really good with. McGinn playing in front of him, but there's there's just not that natural defensive midfielder that is a replacement for Ryan Jack. And Scott McTominay isn't that either, but he is he's more suited to being in there than any other candidate. So yeah. I think we need Scott McTominay in the centre of the park, basically. He's the F30s to Ryan Jack's F50s, as close as we'll get. Yeah. Um, so McTominay in at centre mid uh, on the plane. For me, joined by five other centre mids, which doesn't leave much room for negotiation on my end. We'll see how you guys are fixed. I've also got, alongside Scott McTominay, Callum McGregor, John McGinn, Ryan Christie, Stuart Armstrong, and and I'm certain Kenny McLean will go as well. Yeah, that's exactly the names I have. I was swithering about Kenny McLean. I think he's out of those names as the, the least likely, but I still think, you know, given his... Uh, track record of making it into squads he'll be in there as well the only other apart from those that I've got in the departure lounge is John Fleck I think there's a chance that he'll go as one of the midfielders but you know as you say McTominay, McGregor, McGinn, Armstrong, Christie and McLean are probably all stick-ons and then you've got the potential of John Fleck and then behind that you've got some very interesting players that I'm sure we'll get on to John Fleck's a talking point he's, uh, he's by the phone for me Gordon are you alongside my line of thinking or Mr. McLean's? Uh, Fleck has graduated to the departure lounge, but that's purely based on the injury to Ryan Jack. I think if I think if Ryan Jack's fit, Fleck's not got a hope of getting in the squad. In terms of who I've got on the plane, I'm going to be so boring, and it's the exact same names that you guys have got. Same sex. Well, at least we're consistent. Um, well, yeah, Flex, Flex, an interesting one. I always thought he was more of a defensive-minded screener, but I've come to learn uh, from reading and, and stuff about him that that he's a and someone who gets the ball from deep and likes to break forward with it. He's not a like a carbon copy of Ryan Jack that will just battle and, and graft in there, but he also he likes all, to, to get forward. Yeah. He was always more of a sort of naturally attacking player coming through. I remember like when he was coming through at Rangers at the age of 16, he was compared to Wayne Rooney and all that type of thing. And then, you know, by the time he moved down south, he found a home in midfield. But he's always had those kind of attacking instincts. And um, yeah, he's he's not as defensive minded as someone like Ryan Jack. Yeah. Um, does anyone have David Turnbull in the departure lounge? No. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've, I've flagged him as someone who could be one of the biggest beneficiaries of the expansion to 26 players. I just think if if we're if we're opening the door to one more midfielder, you think about form, you think about performance this season, he's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'd love to see David Turnbull in the squad as well. I've been a massive fan of David Turnbull since he was at, you know, coming through at Motherwell. I just think he, he has a lot of attributes that other Scottish midfielders haven't had over the years that He's so composed on the ball. His passing range is 
brilliant. He's got a goal in him from distance as well. He's got so many attributes that you know will add real quality to that squad. As you say, he probably will need to be one of the ones that benefits from from those extra three spots. Um, but I just I just have him waiting by the phone just purely from the fact that he's not been in other squads and it's the sort of Nathan Patterson effect as well. He was very, very close, Turnbull, to the last squad. Very close. And, and just fell at the at submission point almost, really, for the for the sheet. Um, I, I do think that him and Patterson, they, they were the first two names that sprung to mind for me when I read that uh, we can take 26 players now. Um, and I, I wouldn't... I certainly don't think well, he's, he's not a certainty because he's uncapped, but I think that he's got a better chance that, than John Fleck. I just I do think he's got a better chance than, than John Fleck. I think he can influence a game more. I don't think Fleck has enough caps or influential games to his name to warrant a place ahead of Turnbull either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not he's not he's, he's not got that money in the bank for sure in yeah. terms of the the cap credibility that the other players potentially have. Yeah, now we'll, we'll move on and just beware here, guys, any negative words and we might feel the wrath of the, the Tartan Army Twitterati. Uh, Ryan Gold. Um, Another unbelievable assist uh, this week again. But yeah, yeah he, he's, I mean, I think that the three that you kept seeing come up on Twitter when mm. uh, the three extra kind of places in the squad were announced were Nathan Patterson, David Turnbull, Ryan Gold and... I just have a feeling that because not only because he's not been in any squads, but also the fact that he is playing abroad as well might hinder his chances because I don't know. I don't know whether it's that sort of out of sight, out of mind thing. And it's not necessarily true because you look at Jack Hendry, he's been called into the squad after a good time in Belgium. But the fact that he has been so good all season and hasn't been in contention really, I'd be shocked if he made it into the squad, but he's another, you know, exciting talent that I would like to see get in and about the Scotland squad at some point. Do I think it's going to happen for this tournament? Probably not. Would it be one or the other, him or Turnbull? Probably, probably. Um, I'd be surprised if they both made it in. Um, I mean, they're not they're not the same player by any means, but you know, they're both sort of more attack minded midfielders, and when you've got so many midfielders in there already filling what is essentially three roles, I don't think you're then going to turn around and call up both David Turnbull and Ryan Gold. Gordon, your thoughts on Ryan? Yeah, I I, I look back to sort of our conversations that we had in the build-up to the World Cup qualifiers in March, and I was adamant at the time that given the form and the seasons that David Turnbull and Ryan Gold were having, and given the fact that we could call up a bigger squad and we had three games and one of those games was at home to the Faroe Islands, it just all seemed to make perfect sense to include one or both of them then. So to see neither of them in the squad in March, I still can't wrap my head around that decision, to be honest. And But knowing that that happened, it, it makes it harder to believe that they're going to get called up now, especially especially Ryan Gold. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm in, I'm in agreement with Andrew that you could probably more likely see David Turnbull getting called up because he's based in Scotland, he's playing here, and he's got that teammate camaraderie and instant relationships within the squad with, you know, McGregor and Christie. that Gold could just be left as the odd man out again, which I think would be desperately unfair because, you know, we, we have championed him time and again on this podcast and we've highlighted his excellent performances and 
the Portuguese league is a, is a very high quality league and he's playing at a terrible team there and he is outstanding in that league. So, yeah, I, I feel terribly for him, but I yeah. just can't see it. But Christie's not had such a great year at Celtic, right? In fact, what was it you were saying just a minute ago, Andrew, before we came on here? One goal from 50 outside of the box shots? I think it was f- 51 shots from outside the box in the, the league this season and one goal, which isn't the be-all and end-all when it comes to you know, statistics, but it's, it doesn't make great reading. But no, but Christy, he Christy, he did, he, but then he did score from outside the box in Belgrade. So exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but Christy, Christy turns up for us. I, I personally, I trust him. Okay, but if there was to be an injury to Christy or Armstrong, maybe then Gold would get their chance. Would get his chance, right? But I'm Gold glad is- didn't even mention John McGinn there because I'm not even interested <laughs> in hearing any chat about John McGinn picking up an injury. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe then Gold would be called upon, but. And he is having a great season out there. I think it's five or six goals and double figures for assists, maybe pushing that. And he's got as many or the most man of the matches in the leagues. I try and keep up with uh, with all the info on Twitter and Byron Hutchinson and, and the other guys. But uh, is it easy to forget how well the other boys are doing too? The, the likes of John McGinn, who's our attacking midfielder for Aston Villa. Kenny McLean, who's had another great season with Norwich, who have walked away with the English Championship title. Stuart Armstrong is one of the first picks in midfield for Southampton. I would understand, and and I do think that Gold's got a case to be in, but I would understand the incredulity more if we were picking jobbers ahead of him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that midfield area is so strong that it's just kind of unlucky that you know he's playing in an area where we've got so many good players and I think by the summer when inevitably his contract runs out and he gets a a bigger move to wherever he's going to go, I think at that point it will be impossible to ignore him. And I think he will make it into Scotland squads and he will get given a go. But I just think because he's he's not been involved up until this point, I can't see Steve Clark just sort of, you know, going rogue and, and picking him at this point. I think if there's going to be a Scotland future for Ryan Gold, which I, I think there will be, it won't be until after the Euros. 26-man squad, both of you, just personal opinion, gold in or out? I I think he's going to be out. I think he's going to be out. Would I bring him? Uh, yeah. Shiach? I think, I think he's, I think he's out. And I think if I think I think I think we're in we're all in total agreement that the six names that we've given McLean, McGregor, McGinn, Christie, Armstrong, McTominay, he's not going to get in ahead of any of those guys unless one of them is injured. Um, so is he going to get one of those three sort of Willy Wonka golden tickets? Um, I, I do think it would come down to him and Turnbull, and I think it's more likely to go to Turnbull at this stage. Okay, Doc. Uh, one more central midfielder name. Uh, he's not even cropped up yet. Billy Gilmore. Uh, it's all a bit too early for him and the, the sacking of Frank Lampard and his very, very limited game time in 2021 really leaves him with, with no chance, guys. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think there's much of a case you can really put up for having Billy Gilmore there, just given the fact that he's not getting any game time under Thomas Tuchel. He's not even been included in Champions League squads. And I know Thomas Tuchel came out and said, you know, he, he trains really well. He should be getting called up to... The Scotland squads, but I, I, I don't think that argument really stacks up when you know he's not even making the bench for 
Chelsea in big games. And look, I know that some of the players he's he's behind in the pecking order are top top players, but if he's not playing any competitive top level football at all, I just don't know how you can include him. Yeah, we'll we'll cross our fingers for Gilmore to get a loan move, I think, in the summer, because I can't see him immediately becoming part of the midfield furniture at Chelsea in the next 12 yeah. months either. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think certainly the, the, this can certainly be perhaps a transitional summer for Billy Gilmore um, in the way that we think about him, but also maybe in the way that he's thought about in wider football, because obviously he turns 20 in June. So all of a sudden, you know, going into next season, he's no longer a teenager. So I think it's very much time for him to start playing regular first team football. And I would totally agree that hopefully that can be on loan next season. You know, the same with Nathan Patterson. It's just about getting regular game time. And then we can then we can hopefully see Billy Gilmore flourish for Scotland. Up front, now, there are, I reckon that we'll all have three names on the plane and then one from about maybe another five or six names to, to maybe make up the extra spot. Yep. Um, Gordon, uh, I assume you've got Shea Adams by the phone. <laughs> nope I have got Shea Adams tattooed on my heart um, on the plane on the plane uh, Shea Adams Ryan Fraser Lyndon Dykes all sat there in a three on the plane yes McLean yeah, I, to be honest I, I wouldn't say that in front of Shea Adams that you've got his name tattooed in your heart because he might never come back to Scotland again but um, yeah Shea Adams Lyndon Dykes Ryan Fraser are definitely in there for me and there is so many names I have listed behind that, actually, um, that there's a lot to get through in that regard, depending on sort of who you're, you're listing there. But I think Fraser's a certainty, Dykes is a certainty, Shea Adams is a certainty. Well, I'll get the, it's the same for me, the exact, the exact same three names. So I'll get the ball rolling for the departure lounge. Um, I think the next three on the list, should there be an injury, uh, that Clark will decide between and that I would probably decide between or would I would decide between are Griffiths, Nisbet and Forrest. They're all in my departure lounge. Yeah, Interesting. I would, I would agree. I, I, well, well, Kevin Nisbet for me would be, I think he's kind of fourth choice at the moment. I think that if anyone's going to get a place next to Fraser Dykes and Adams, I think Kevin Nisbet's probably in pole position. Um. I I would argue that it's possibly Forrest and Shankland instead of uh, Griffiths and Forrest for me. I just have a feeling that Lee Griffiths is, is not going to make the squad and I think Steve Clark would potentially prefer James Forrest or Lauren Shankland in a squad over Lee Griffiths just given you know the way Lee Griffiths' career has really gone over the past couple of seasons. Gordon, you sounded surprised there. Yeah, a little bit. Um, although, actually, if I, if I can just, if I may re-enter the plane very quickly um, and just really sing the praises of Lyndon Dykes. I mean, this is a guy who came into the scene for Scotland last uh, last year, you know, got two goals in his first four caps. We were in love with him. We thought this could be the guy. This is He's going to lead the line for us. And then the goals dried up for him at club level, at QPR. I don't think he scored since November and then he did score, I think it was the weekend before the Scotland squad got together. He got his first goal uh, in months for QPR. Then since then, in April, I don't know if this is something to do with, you know, he's come away with Scotland. He's had a look to his left in the dressing room. He's looked at Shea Adams and thought, good grief, like I need to pull the finger out here. I've got competition. Six games, six goals in April for QPR. So 
fair play London Dykes. He is absolutely flying right now. And I think it might be the peroxide blonde hair. I think that might be doing it. I think that's the secret. I think something's happened there. He's dyed his hair blonde and all of a sudden he's just turned well, into... He's going to write if there's any one player in our squad that is going to do something really daft. Like, like I speak from a position of experience. I have made... I've had some hairstyle experiments that have gone terribly wrong. Lyndon Dykes is going to go for the full saltire, isn't he? This McBookie or some other bookmaker could genuinely stick that on the market. Lyndon Dykes walking out at Wembley with a saltire <laughs> on his head. I could see that actually. I could that's yeah, I could hundred percent see that happening. Yeah. I would love to see that. <laughs> well, he's he's definitely on on the plane. And Gordon, just while you've got his information there, most of his goals at QPR when he first went down, were penalties, but they've been open yep. play recently. Is that right? It is, yeah, you're right. Um, but also a real good mix of finishes as well. I mean, if you've been looking at some of the clips that I've certainly been sharing on the Tartan Scarf Twitter, I mean, really confident finishes now. You know, you'll see these goals where he'll take the ball and control it with one touch and just hammer it home with the with an incredible force. So he is, he's flying right now. Mm. And it's, it's, it's great to see, absolutely great to see. But... We're moving back off the plane. We're back into the departure lounge. I think that fourth spot, I think I'm in agreement with Andrew that it's it's Nisbet or Shankland. It's not going to be both. It's going to be one or the other. I think you do probably put Nisbet ahead just now. Um, but also in the departure lounge, I think James Forrest could be one of the, the number one biggest beneficiaries of these extra three positions because James Forrest hasn't played a lot of football this season, but he does have a fair bit of credibility in the bank when it comes to playing for Scotland. He's got a lot of caps, a lot of experience. And I think what you've seen in recent Scotland camps is that we've really lacked a lot of natural width in the team. So I think putting James Forrest in that squad gives us the opportunity if we need to change it during a game, move to a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, you can put Fraser on one side, put Forrest on the other, and we'd be absolutely fine. So I think for flexibility tactically, I think Forrest is in. Would Forrest yeah, be a wasted gonna... jersey though? Because, no, I don't no, think so. no, Injury, Injury-wise, because he came back from that really bad one at Celtic and then straight away had to go to go back off again um, very quickly after he returned because his body, I think it was a muscle injury hamstring. Uh, yeah, Andrew, is that right? Just was too much for him. His, tightness in his back, tightness in his hamstrings and I think his hips as well. So I don't know whether that's a case of, you know, too much too quickly for him. Mm. Um, yeah, so do we but, want do we want Forrest to come off the bench against Czech Republic and then that's it? Yeah, that's a point actually. That is a fair point. Um the thing is, we'll that if James he's Forrest is fully fit and flying, I don't think there's any doubts that he's in the squad. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if he hadn't got injured because I, I would assume that probably everyone would just have him in there, despite the fact that he doesn't quite naturally fit into the the system that Steve Clark plays. I think that he's just got enough about him in terms of goals, assists, creativity that he should be in there. But just the fact that you know he's... He's now nursing a, a fresh injury off the back of his long-term injury. That that could well put him down the pecking order. And Griffiths, Gordon, as well. You're you're not having that. I can't see it. I'm honest. I, I genuinely just can't see it. Like I know he's a he's a proven finisher. He's a natural finisher. He is a guy that if you're going to get a chance in the box, you want it to fall to. But I do think that I don't think we're as starving for options anymore up front that you would call on Lee Griffiths if he's not fit, if his if his off-field stuff isn't right, if his head's not right. I, I don't know if putting a lot of faith in him right now would be the right thing to do, considering if you've got Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes sitting ahead of him already. 
Do you think, okay then, um, I'm not disagreeing with you here, just putting the scenario to you, we're 1-0 down at Wembley or at home to Croatia and we bring off Adams and you think that Nisbet or Shankland would make the defender's life more difficult than Griffiths would? No, probably not, no. Well, I guess it depends. I mean... It, it, it depends what you're wanting to look for. I mean, if you're looking to shell long balls into the box, you know, Nisbet's not exactly the biggest guy. I mean, maybe you want to throw Callum Patterson on. You know, he's always a good chaos agent yeah. towards the end of a game. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Um, I would like to see I, a few Callum Patterson celebrations at the Euros, though. That would be nice. Yeah. I always enjoy a good, just mental Callum Patterson celebration. But um, yeah. as much as he's featured, uh, of you know, at times under Clark, I, I can't see him getting in the squad ahead yeah. of the ones we've got no doubt Although, already. I think um, I think one one name we do we do need to we do, we do need to speak about and I, I know he's controversial and I know he pisses a lot of people off but Ollie McBurney unfortunately will miss the Euros due to injury which I do think frankly is a desperate shame I mean we've touted him quite a lot on this podcast we've always tried to support him and be big fans of him and were it not for the width of the woodwork he could have had two three goals for Scotland already and he doesn't but some of the abuse that he gets, I find quite sickening, to be honest. I think it gets very personal very quickly with Ollie McBurney. People say that he's never done anything for Scotland. Well, let's not forget, he scored a penalty in Belgrade. So when the pressure was the absolute highest, when it meant the most ever, he stepped up and he delivered. So yeah. I, he played his part in getting us there. So it's a shame he won't be there at the tournament. Yeah, I'll retweet that, Gordon. Um, very fair points. Um, I, I think he would have been there, was it not, for, for the injury. But it does open the door to Nisbet or Forrest or Shankland or Griff, whoever. I don't think that the door is going to be open enough, though, for Callum Patterson, I agree, and also I'm having Ollie Burke by the phone. Yeah, I've got him by the phone as well. Um, I just I just can't see a place for Oliver Burke. He's not really done anything this season at Sheffield United to put himself in contention. I don't think he's really ever done anything in a Scotland shirt to put himself in contention. Um, you know, his pace can frighten teams at time, uh, teams at times, but I, I just don't don't think he's he, he would really add much to the squad. That's what it comes down to, I think, with Burke, pace and power. Uh, if you need someone to run the ball into the channels or the corners in the last 10 minutes, that's probably where you would, you would utilise him. But I'm not sure in what scenario he can otherwise bring a lot of value to the Scotland team, sadly. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that completely. Um, again, just another guy who's been in squads and played a fair bit for Scotland, but in terms of what you remember him doing, he just doesn't really have that much credibility in the bank. You know, Obviously, he scored the winning goal in Clark's first game, but that was an awfully long time ago now against Cyprus. I wonder, do you think Johnny Russell has been a victim of his move to America? Because he was a pretty common fixture in Scotland's squads and I'm not saying that he'd get in ahead of the, the people that we have now but because of the pandemic and the fact that he couldn't come over and be in squads when he probably would have been in squads do you think there's a chance that he could have played himself into contention if he'd you know been in the last couple of squads and actually been given an opportunity do you think you know when we're talking about the likes in Nisbet, Shankland, Forrest, Griffiths do you think he's a name that actually would have been in there with that lot if he'd you know been able to have the opportunity to come over and play. Yeah, I actually think that I would have Russell ahead of Forrest, given Forrest's issues this season. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. And, 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 you know, you listen to guys that watch the MLS and, you, I mean, Johnny Russell seems like he's very, very highly rated over there and he's scored a lot of goals. And I know it's a cliche to say, but the MLS gets better every year on year. So it's a strong, strong lead now. So, yeah, I, th- I think, Andrew, you're absolutely right. that Were it not for the pandemic and had he been able to travel, I think he 100% would have been in, in squads for, over the past year. Yeah, out of interest, I have just... Uh as we've got on this podcast, just been circling my guys. And if I move either McLaughlin or Kelly, whatever one, up to departure lounge, so let's just say for argument's sake, McLaughlin, my on the plane and departure lounge tallies up to 26. So I think I might just throw them all on. Yeah, that's you're my done. squad sorted. That's it. Yeah, done. <laughs> the Logan no, Air. I think, let me, let me count up mine. I think mine maybe, maybe adds up to 24. Is that right? Which means that there would need to be probably potentially another midfield option and potentially another striking option. So that's maybe looking like a, a Turnbull and a Forest or a Turnbull and a Shankland to add to the, the ones that I've already got. It's going to be fascinating, isn't it? I, I really wonder, like, for example, Nisbet, Turnbull, maybe young Patterson, Hendry, Whoever, when they heard um, yesterday, 26-man squad, I wonder how many of them pricked up their ears and thought, right, next three weeks for me, big, big moment. Definitely, definitely. yeah. I mean, just think of the excitement, though, that you'll have had all season being a young Scottish player and, you know, it happened in November. I suppose you've got that opportunity, even if you've not been in squads, to, you know, there's probably that just kind of, Glint that glimmer the the back of your head that potentially you could play yourself or play your way into it and you know there's been a couple of players that have probably done that or got close to it you know we're talking about Patterson and and Turnbull but um, it's now just a a waiting game because um, I heard Steve Clark had said that basically he pretty much had his 23 picked out in his head and um, this has thrown a bit of a spanner in the works now so interesting I'm not sure we'll ever find out who the extra three were. I can't imagine that he'll ever come out and address that because that'd be a bit demoralising for the ones that weren't the original 23. <laughs> but um, it's certainly given him a lot to think about. I do wonder, right, right, maybe, maybe this is something you can throw some ideas about and maybe anyone listening to this can let, let us know what you guys think as well. But how do you think the Scottish FA will go about announcing the squad? Because there's, there's got to be some sort of concept, some grand I, idea. Some... I, I know, and so we'll set that out. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I also have a, a bit of an idea, so I'll also set that one out. But any suggestions? I'd, oh, I'd cool, like to, right. Like well, <laughs> sorry, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just sit here in total bloody ignorance then. That's fine. I'll just say, uh, I'll play along at home. <laughs> I'm led to believe they're all going to get uh, announced by you two on this podcast, is what I've heard. That'll be it. That's the full thing. Cool. The full squad, you'll that... just read it out in full. Yeah, that, that would just be, wow. Would just stop the podcast after that. I think it wouldn't get yep. any better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what we had planned to do, Andrew, it's been great having you on. And if uh, I'm sure Ben will be available again in a, a couple of weeks. But if you ever fancy coming back on, give us a shout. You're more than welcome. What the plan was, was to do a, the final on the plane instalment where we bring our squads, our 26-man squads to the table, um, probably about three weeks from or two, two and a half, three weeks from now. And then when the squad is actually announced, we'll obviously sit down and, and discuss and review and, and play out dozens of hypothetical situations in our head that may or may not happen um, for the group stages and maybe beyond. 
plenty of excitement to come. I'm looking forward exactly. to it. Exactly. Yeah. Although, although one thing I would love to just get the opportunity to give a wee plug to is um, obviously this summer, you know, Euros, new heroes will rise on the European Championship stage for Scotland. You know, we'll all remember the guy that scored the winning goal against England at Wembley at Euro 2020. But before that, I think what, what I've done on the Tartan Scarf Twitter is I've got a, a sort of knockout tournament that's just about to start. So when you when you listen to this podcast, the group stage will have been drawn, um, basically taking all of the Scotland players who played at Euro 92 and Euro 96. I've put them into seeded pots um, based on the minutes that they played at those combined tournaments. There will be a group stage. There'll be knockouts. It's all, it's all going to be decided by Twitter polls. So you, the fans, will decide who Scotland's current reigning Euros hero is uh, before we go to the summer and we can get a whole batch of new heroes. Are you, are you sure you've just started a new job? Yes. <laughs> and I've actually planned and replanned my wedding like three times in the last fortnight. So <laughs> I love your optimism as well that we're going to have so many new heroes because I'm slightly concerned that I've got that pessimistic Scottish view that uh, we're going to get to the end of the, the tournament and be a bit disappointed with it all, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Andrew, you've not you've not listened to me enough. Honestly, you've not spent enough time with me. <laughs> One genuinely, I bet you've got a kilt on sitting there. <laughs> what I am starting to find myself adopting the the boring, cliched approach of one game at a time. I, I'm struggling to look beyond the check game. If we win that, full steam ahead. If we lose that, yep. I think Sky's it's done. the limit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I think. I mean that that is basically the most important game is the first game because you're sort of opening yourself up to the possibilities of whether you can, you know, potentially get one of those um, third place, best place, third place spots, or um, even sneak it into the top two. But if it does all go wrong in the opening day, then uh, it could be a long, well, I was going to say a long tournament for us, but it'll be a week or so, and then we can can get back to to bevying in in the old Scottish ways. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's get back together in two or three weeks then with our final squad and uh, well squad each and we can uh, debate each other's choices right sounds good Sports Social Podcast Network